hello church and welcome to our third installment of this uh, Lenten Bible study where our text this week is John chapter 2 verses 13 through 22. My prayer is that the Lord would use his word to guide, correct, and bless as we move deeper into this season of Lent. So let's go ahead and get started and Let's start by reading the text itself. John chapter 2, starting with verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, The temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is a word of God for you, the people of God. It's worth noting the interpretation of the text throughout the history of the church. The early church fathers could not see a violent interpretation, but rather spiritualized the text or saw a nonviolent approach, which many are rediscovering with good exegetical skills. It's also worth noting that from the time of the Gospels uh, were written up to the 4th century, we only have notes from one person, Origen, who comments on verse 15. 300 years goes by where verse 15, mentioning the whip, is absolutely ignored. Origen, uh, he opted for a spiritual interpretation feeling that the literal was not plausible. And the logic he used is it was one man with a whip and a crowd of people, uh, which would have been easily overpowered by the crowd, and um, then they would have turned the whip on him. And also Origen believed the literal interpretation to be out of step with the image of the pacifist Jesus presented in the rest of the Gospels. And of the four Gospels, John is the only one to mention the whip. So by spiritualizing the text, Origen says the, uh, the temple is the person, in, in which of course this is in line with Paul when he says our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The whip is the powerful word of Christ. 
The cattle are the earthly things, the sheep represent our irrationality, and the doves are a symbol of our vanity. And all of these are driven out by Christ. As uh, one author notes, the violent whip of the uh, literal or surface meaning becomes the nonviolent speech of Christ in the deeper or spiritual meaning of the text. Now, these spiritual interpretations were all the rage in the early church, but in today's world, uh, we are a bit more strict with the text. However, as we uh, go along, it became accepted as based on the text that Jesus did not use the whip on people, but used the whip to get the animals moving while using words to clear the people out. As he tells those selling the doves, you know, take these things out of here. And the argument being that if it was a violent action, wouldn't he have used the whip on the dove sellers as well and overturned their cages? So the early church used nonviolent strategies to interpret our text. It's not until we get to the early 5th century, uh, it's not until you, we get to Augustine, where we see this transition from a, a nonviolent approach to our text to a violent strategy of interpreting the whip, as uh, Augustine was searching for an ethical device to use against those whom he deemed as heretics. And from there, it just gets worse to where the text is used to promote violence and death. And Jerome, in a critical mistake, uh, mistranslates the whip as the uh, Latin flagellum in his uh, Vulgate. Uh, the flagellum was the, it's the whip used by the Roman soldiers that had the, the thongs at the end of it with the, uh, the bone and metal shards to really increase the severity of punishment inflicted upon their victims. However, we should note that weapons were not allowed in any part of the temple. As the Mishnah states, one should not enter the temple mount with his walking stick, his overshoes, his money bag, or with dust on his feet. So the whip described in our text is not the flagellum. It's an ad hoc whip made from cords or rope lying around. It's not something Jesus would have carried in with him. In terms of grammar, scholars have made a convincing argument that the whip is used to get the, uh, the cattle and the sheep moving. And the whip has long been used as a way to guide livestock. It's not used on the doves or the people. Although some English translations have led many to believe that uh, the whip was primarily used for the people, Newer translations uh, correct this problem, such as the NRSV, which reads, He drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. Now, you could argue that the whip of Jesus actually stayed the execution of these animals, if only for a short time. But, like I said, it's really far-fetched to go from using a whip to dropping bombs on people.
Also, the actions of Jesus do not represent an attack on the evils of the world, but an attack on how people uh, were treating the house of God. As people from all over made the, the pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem for Passover, there would have been many different currencies present since the people came from far and wide. And the temple only accepted one kind of currency, making it necessary for money changers. The people would also need to buy animals for sacrifices since they would have traveled uh, far without such animals. This was big business, and temple authorities had become comfortable with this business happening inside the temple premises, specifically uh, the court of Gentiles. Sacred things and worship of God had become profitable. And Jesus is in line with the prophets who railed against uh, unjust practices in the name of God. He is turning over the tables of religious practice so that the focus will be on the table of the Eucharist where anyone can share Holy Communion with God through Christ as Jesus is now the temple of God. Now, as Jesus is uh, accosted by the people for such actions, his response is, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. For John, Jesus has become the temple of God, and he goes out of his way to prove this point. In the book of Exodus, uh, God has Moses construct the tabernacle, or the tent of meeting. In the close of the book of Exodus, it has the glory of the Lord in the form of a cloud filling the tabernacle, reminding the people that God's presence is with them. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it reads, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, what's interesting is the Greek will read, the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. Jesus is the one who has now become the tabernacle or the temple of God, the tent of meeting, where God will meet humanity in Christ. So the temple he is referring to is not the temple of our religious practices that focuses on buildings, but he turns over the tables so that the focus becomes a space where people can come and meet and commune with God. Now, most religions have um, holy spaces. For the Jews, this space was the temple, and the first temple was was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586-587 BC, and the second temple would be destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And the only thing left is the Wailing Wall. The temple has not been rebuilt because the Muslims constructed the Dome of the Rock. So you have two major religions laying claim to a single space. However, in Christianity, 
The only sacred space is Christ himself, who is the very temple of God. As John records for us in Revelation 21, verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So a question we might raise is not how do we use such a text, or how can such a text be made so that we have Jesus driving out the evil of the world, but rather our fingers need to be pointed in. What in the church, or in us as individuals, does Jesus need to drive out so that we can become temples of his Holy Spirit? The text is a little more poignant when it's about us as a church or individuals rather than what we see wrong in other people. It's very uncomfortable when the words and actions of Jesus are against us rather than others. But it's something that we should entertain and at least reflect upon. As Christians, what have we become comfortable with that Jesus needs to address within us? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.